0: Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of See the World Differently with Oceanscape Yachts. I'm your host, Rebecca Taylor, and today's guest I'm really happy to announce is Grace Dvornik. Grace is a chef on board luxury yachts. She's been in the industry for a couple of years, um, and she actually got her start in tall sailing ships, And she kind of did it just as a break after university to kind of see the world a little bit and from that grow real love of the sea and cooking. So she followed that by going to get all of her um, culinary degree and she's still working in that field. Um, I found it really interesting chatting with her though because she actually comes from a theater background. That was her degree. Um, So she's very vivacious and full of life. And I just think she'd be the most fun chef to have on board a, a yacht charter because she'd be entertaining but also cooking up some amazing dishes she plugs her instagram account and you're definitely going to want to check it out because she shares a lot of her um, famous dishes on there and a lot of it's really cool it comes from family recipes and it's all been passed down so you get a real nice feel of home with her too. So I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you don't already subscribe to us, please head to um the Apple iTunes Store where you get your podcast or Google Play. We're in both of those. Um, hit subscribe. You'll get firsthand notifications as soon as a fresh one is laid out for you. And you know we can't waste any time in today's world. Uh, while you're there, why not shoot us a review or rate us? We love hearing from you and we just love Love seeing your comments so please keep them coming and without further ado I hope you enjoy today's episode thanks so much so today I'm here with Grace Um, thanks so much for joining us today
1: yeah it's a pleasure to speak with you
0: yeah we, we love having new guests on the show and we actually connected on Instagram which I think is how so many people uh, come to know one another these days um, and Grace was kind enough to um, sit through a few interview questions with me. And then we thought, you know what, why not put it on a podcast? So Grace is a chef on board yachts. Um, and I just think you have such a cool entry into this industry. So can you share a little bit about how you came to be working on board luxury yachts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I graduated from college in 2015 and my degree is in theater, uh, theater with a focus on art. Oh, cool. Specifically, <laughs> and yeah. after I graduated, I um, I was just very tired after college. was kind of looking for an adventure, and spur of the moment one night, I was looking on a job board and found a listing for a sailboat. And I had always had a vague dream of working on a sailboat, working on the water. So I applied immediately. With my theater resume, no experience sailing at all <laughs> right. and the next day, I got a phone call from the captain's wife saying they were looking to hire someone immediately um, and that position was um, it was for the deckhand and messmate, so a messmate is the chef's assistant, so a lot of cleaning dishes in the galley and food prep and everything like that. So when I accepted the job, I was working. Um, part of the day on deck assisting the first mate and the captain sailing the boat and the other part of the day I was helping out the shack in the galley and those boats um my first boat was a 101 foot gaff rig schooner that was built in 1872 a wooden boat okay. our galley operated off of a wood burning stove we had no electricity um no refrigeration So it was a huge, um, (laughs) yeah, it was like a a a culinary challenge. (laughs) Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. So not only was I learning about, you know, cooking for a high volume of people with limited supplies um, and culinary technology per se, um, I was also learning how to, how to sail. Um, The boat, we didn't have a windlass. So the anchor, we pulled up, you know, we cranked it up by hand. All of the sails were pulled up by hand. So I really got this intense crash course in, um, in sailing and cooking all at the same time. Um, so that job was supposed to be just a three-month summer gig, and I ended up loving it and kept sailing. Uh, so I did two seasons. I did another season down in the Florida Keys on a sailing catamaran as the mate and was working um, part-time in a bakery. Okay, as well, got more experience. And then I went back to Maine and did another season on deck. And in between, I knew I wanted to transfer into yachting. Uh, I had heard about it. I had a friend who was a deckhand on a super yacht for a while. So I got all of my credentials um, from Blue Water Crew Training and started, yeah, started applying. Um, So I have this, this goal of eventually being a chef on a yacht, but I had no idea that I would be hired as a chef. my first yacht position. Yeah.
0: Did you have any interest in cooking really before that? Or if theater's kind of your thing, was it just a good way to transfer into yachting or have you always loved cooking?
1: Yeah. So I grew up cooking with my grandparents Uh, and my grandparents have unique stories. Uh, My great grandparents were immigrants to the States. And they opened up a restaurant and tavern in the northern woods of Wisconsin. And my grandfather grew up cooking with his parents. And then I grew up cooking with my grandparents. So um, I had this love for cooking and food from a young age. Family dinners were always really important to us. You know, we gather around the table and the food kind of told the story of, you know, where it was from or the mood of the day or the meal. Um, so I had always really enjoyed it and really enjoyed spending time. Um, hadn't considered it as a career until I was looking for, um, for a way to transition into yachting. And, um, and I thought working in the galley would be really interesting because I could combine, you know, my love of boats, my love of sailing with a love of food and the passion for serving others.
0: Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. It's actually the perfect way. You may not have thought it, but to enter in, right? Because I know a lot of super yacht chefs who come from high end um hotels or like exclusive bars and restaurants. So they would have had top of the line everything and then they're going to a very small space. A super yacht still has top of the line. Like you're gonna have, you know, great refrigeration and and your stoves and everything else, but you're limited, you're on a boat and you only have so much access. So for you coming from the opposite, no electricity, no refrigeration, like you were probably way ahead then. And it was awesome. You had all these skills that people would probably kill to have in a tiny space like that.
1: Right, looking back, yeah, I definitely had a very unique advantage and perspective Um, on my first boat. And even still now I freelance. And so um, when I first get on a yacht, um, I've had several captains say, you know, oh, sorry, you know, limited working space or the microwave is broken or, you know, our freezer is tricky. And, yeah. you know, I, th- I tell them, like, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can adjust, I can adapt, you know, small spaces, not an issue. I can be creative. So yeah. I definitely had a really um, interesting skill set when I first started For sure. uh, on my very first yacht.
0: And did you, like, when you went to your first yacht working as a chef, did you feel really prepared for that? Because you were obviously doing kind of mixed roles before, or like the first time you had a charter, were you thinking, okay, this is how I provision, I know where I need to go, I know what I need to do, like making all your meals lined up for the week, or was that something that you had to kind of work on?
1: Yeah, so it was, it was kind of a combination. I feel like like part of it was that I really had no idea what I was getting into, um, so it was kind of like the ignorance is bliss yes, thing where yeah. anything I came, like <laughs> now looking back, I'm like, how did I do that? How did I survive? Yeah. Um, so it was part that I just wasn't aware. And so everything just seemed fine and like a new challenge. Um, but then I also had, um, two of my previous chefs to look back on. So my first chef, um, on my very first tall ship, she, uh, she had worked, in kitchens around Brooklyn as a head chef for the past 10 years. And I was able to observe her skills, how she would meticulously plan, uh, you know, the night, two nights before a week long charter, um, everything she would need for each meal of the day, um, three meals, two snacks for 25 people on board. And she would plan her shop list, plan her menus ahead of time. Uh, and so that really taught me how to be prepared and how to go into a charter um, you know, fully prepared, knowing what I'm doing, um, having a plan for each day. And then on my second season up in Maine, I had another chef who had a completely different approach. He would um, he would get all of these ingredients and then day of kind of decide what to do or adapt everything. Or sometimes wow. I would walk into the galley in the morning and he would say, hey, Grace, what should I do for lunch today? Or, you know, I have this ingredient. What should I do for what should I do with it? And he, he just had this like wild card approach. I remember one day he came back laughing from provisioning. and We were like, Hey, what's Uh-oh. up, man? <laughs> and he said he, um, he went to a farmer's market and he saw an ingredient he had never used before. So he bought the entire stock of, <laughs> of this one ingredient that they had. And then he came back and made this incredible dish. Wow. So I had these two fantastic chefs. Um, that like I have the privilege of, of, yeah, of learning under. And um, even on my second boat, I was strictly on deck, but I always found myself in the galley uh, asking questions or watching. And um, so I really took the, the two of them. And now even still to this day, before my charters, I try to you know, plan everything, get my shopping list together, uh, plan all of my menus like my first chef. But then I know no matter what happens, no matter what ingredients I have on board, um, I have the skills to improvise, just like my second chef did. Yeah. Um, so Does that it, kind yeah, of... So it's really unique. Did he...
0: I, I mean, I imagine that was probably slightly stressful <laughs> when you know they don't know, but it's <laughs> so cool that they could pull it off. Like, you know, there's people that just work like that, and that's obviously his MO and what helps, but I imagine if you were trained, you're like, is this how it's done? I mean, like, if you didn't have that other experience, I think... It's a nice balance, like you say. Nothing's really a problem if it doesn't quite go to plan, but also planning helps.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it was really interesting to to watch how, you know, two completely different people, but working in very similar environments, had their approach to this. And they both pulled off every single meal with wine colors. It was incredible. Yeah. And
0: do you have kind of your own not necessarily methods, but also like cooking style, or I know a lot of it comes down to guest profile and preferences and things like that, but do you tend to gravitate to a certain style of food or fusion
1: that you like to mix in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, uh, I think my cooking, I try to tell a story or relate to the guests where, you know, a big thing is the preference sheet. What do guests want? What do they ask for? And then I cater to them specifically. But um, growing up cooking with my grandparents, my food has a really strong influence from my family where um, every dish that I serve, I've either learned from my grandparents, have cooked for my family, or it's been inspired by my family. And then the next time I see them and I go home, I'm able to cook them this dish and say, hey, you know, I was in the Bahamas. I found this at a store. I thought it was something you would really like. I made it for my guests and now, you know, I'm going to serve it to you for dinner. So it's really interesting. And then it also provides um, an interesting story for the guests. I have a couple menu items um, that, you know, guests have really loved and they say, Hey, what inspired this? Or where did you learn to make it? And I am able to say, um, you know, the bread from, from this starter, uh, I make this, this one starter, it's called um, King's Hawaiian mini Cubans, And the King's Hawaiian bread bakery, was very close to my dad's house, um, in Oahu in oh, Hawaii cool. where he grew up. Okay. So yeah. So that's an interesting story. And then my mom used to use the same bread to make a similar sandwich every morning on Christmas. So I was able to take, you know, this cool story from my dad, these childhood memories, and then make this knockout starter that I use on almost every single one of my boats because it's always such a big crowd pleaser or, um, I do some different soups that my great grandmother used to make. And um, so it's really interesting to have that story and have that personal connection and yes, uh, being a theater major and growing up in the theater. I, I love telling stories of- I love that. So I'm able to kind of connect to the guests and bring a personal element to everything I cook.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I love that because they often come out, right? You know, I've been on a few charters and they'll come out and tell you a little bit about the dish and often it's local produce or seasonal items and stuff. So I can imagine having that little backstory too. It's like, Ooh, okay, nice. And then you have that thought as you're eating it. So it really does add another element. Very mm-hmm. cool, yeah. And do you have, so I know you say that bread's like a knockout. Is that something like, and in today's world, we all have different intolerances and preferences, but can you still find like one dish that works for everyone? Or do you find that those days are kind of gone?
1: Um, I do have a couple dishes that um, I put on a lot of my menus for charters or for freelance gigs that I can adapt, where some of the ingredients you know, you can use olive oil instead of butter um, or right. you can, you know, cut, che- you know, don't put cheese on or use a gluten free option or something like that. So I do have a couple dishes that I know walking into a charter, I would be able to adapt last minute if I needed to. Um, but Yeah, that is that is a, a big occurrence in the industry. All of these all of these different diets and food intolerances or allergies or just preferences, according to pop culture it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I have had to improvise a lot or spend a lot of time researching new diets. Yeah. Uh, I had yacht owners who were on a very specific diet that I had never heard of before working for them. Okay. Uh, and I had to spend a lot of time researching and looking up cookbooks, looking up recipes, trying to adapt things. And that definitely gave me great experience moving forward in charters because I've had guests on the same diet or with the same preference and okay. I've known what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And there's also lots of alternatives, right? That you wouldn't even know existed that cooks just the same as flour does or whatever it is. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So now I've got these in my back pocket. If I'm really stuck, this will work. But uh, yeah, I had, um, we have another chef friend who's, uh, I'd say he's probably been in the industry for like 20 plus years. And he was saying the same thing to me because we were talking about favorite dishes and like the one go to, you know, like crowd pleaser, you'll definitely include it on a charter. And he was saying it used to be this, but probably since like 2010, that hasn't happened (laughs) because it seems like since then it just had a real big boom and now everyone has their own little things that they're dealing with or staying away from, or, you know, causes a reaction. So it's just, it's really Mm -hmm. interesting, I think, if you've been in a long time, to see how it was one way for so long, and now everything's just shifted. And it's good in a way, right? I would imagine, like you say, you did all this research, now you have all this knowledge, but it also kind of keeps you on your toes, Mm -hmm. and you have to be a little bit of innovative when you probably before could have just, I don't want to say coast, but you know, it would have been easier in some ways if everyone was just on the same, same path.
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely a new challenge. Uh, where, where you know, even a couple of years ago, you could serve everyone the same thing, and now you could have one guest that's vegan, one guest that's lactose intolerant, one guest that loves meat, doesn't like vegetables, one guest that's yes. gluten free. All sitting at the same table, and you, then you have to you know create a dish and adapt everything to please every guest at the yeah. same time. So, yeah, I yeah it's, my hat. it's <laughs> Sorry. You're right. it's, it's very interesting. always keeps me on my toes and a lot of times I get a funny story out of it (laughs) oh yeah that's true that's true
0: and do you have any that you can share or are they all a little top secret (gasps) (laughs)
1: um let's see yeah a a lot of them are are more on the confidential side I have had several guests who were um pretty laid back it's happened to me it's happened to a couple chef friends where um people say on their preference sheet, no gluten, gluten-free, and we modify for for those guests. Um, it's happened to me several times. And then, you know, I'll walk up on deck and the gluten-free guest is drinking a beer and asking if the right. dinner rolls have <laughs> gluten in them, you know, stuff like that, where you just kind of have to take a step back and laugh. and um,
0: <laughs> Not really
1: explain <laughs> <Okay>. what's in. <laughs> right, yeah, where, where you just say... No, you're, you know, you're the dinner rolls don't have gluten, and you kind of bite your tongue about the beer that they're drinking. Yes, but, uh, yeah. But <laughs> I can. Yeah, get that. but I'd rather have a situation like that where, um, instead of a situation where a guest has a, a serious food allergy, yeah, gluten allergy, you know? yeah, 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 I'd always rather have the the preference where you know I go a little bit out of the way to accommodate rather than having a a. So serious condition on board. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I imagine that's everything,
0: right? <laughs> that's how you're storing food. That's what you're cooking in different pans. And I mean, that must have a huge
1: effect. Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realize that, um, you know, before I, there was one charter where I completely cleared everything out of the galley, wiped down all surfaces, wiped down all pans utensils because there was a risk of cross contamination. Okay. Um, so if it's a serious food allergy like that, I always take it very seriously, take you no know, risks, read all ingredient labels, um, to make sure that I can keep my galley a safe working environment. Yeah. So that way my guest food are safe for consumption.
0: Yeah. No, that's that's a tricky one for sure. And are you still mm-hmm. kind of I know you said you're kind of going in between different gigs right now, but are you still like mainly in the US or do you have any goals or plans? Like would you rather head over and do like a summer in the Med or are you pretty happy where you are?
1: Yeah, so I'm based in Florida, uh, in the Tampa Bay area. That's where I live uh, when I'm not working. And I primarily work in the Bahamas or summers uh, in Newport, Rhode Island, New England area. But I do have a dream of getting to the Med. I would love to do a season in the Med. I've traveled there with my family, um, but never for work. And actually, the last time we were in Greece, I think I was maybe 19 years old, and we went to this beautiful extraordinary beach and there were all of these super yachts okay. on this dock and I remember I just stopped and I was staring at them and we watched a helicopter land yeah you know, <laughs> on one of the super yachts and my mom she said, "Oh, Grace, do you want a picture? So there is a picture of me standing on the beach with these super yachts in the background. Very cool. So, Who with, would know? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so whenever I get my first med season, I'm going to have to find that picture. Yeah, and, <laughs> dive, dive dive. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That's exciting. And I would also love to do um, like Pacific Northwest." Alaska, Canada, uh, I think that would be a really neat experience as well.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, it's all opening up eh? and all these yachts have so much access now and they're so much more capable than they used to be. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. It really
0: is. Um, And do you have any other than your uh, bucket list items there? Do you have anywhere you like to go to vacation? People always love hearing different tips, even if it's like your hometown of Tampa people just love to know where to go and things they should see. And they're always (laughs) looking for advice, our listeners. So if you can share any of your top spots around the globe, that would be great.
1: Absolutely. Well, my number one spot is my hometown, um, Clearwater beach, Florida and uh, Clearwater in the Tampa Bay area. It's actually been voted one of the best beaches in the country the last couple of years. So it's, it's beautiful. Um, you know, you have your small beachy areas, you have places with the bigger hotels and, you know, clubs and bars. And the whole area has really developed over the last couple of years where there are so many interesting restaurants, local breweries, um, you know, tapas bars, beach bars. Um, there's really been an influx of quality dining and interesting dining experiences. So every time I go home, um, I have some close friends, and we pick a new spot. Um, one of my best friends, each time I come home, she says, okay, we're going here, we're going here, you know, we, we're going right to try deal. this place. <laughs> yeah, so it's really fun to spend that, that time with this friend, and I tell her, you know, the stories about the yachts, but then we're also having these amazing culinary experiences together, and that really influences a lot of my menus right. uh, and meal planning, which is really cool. So definitely my hometown of Clearwater Beach, Florida, I highly recommend it and um let's see i went to aruba last year okay um, nice it was a vacation that i did um kind of a yoga retreat and i really liked it i liked the island and was hoping to get back there at some point so that's another one and then my last recommendation is toronto um i spent 8 months living there for my second culinary program oh cool and it's a really interesting city a lot of really cool restaurants. Dave Chang has two restaurants, Momofuku and um, oh, Kojin, I think. Um, but I got to dine at Momofuku, which is really neat. There's some really cool um, fine dining places. Kasamoto, I have a friend who works there. It's a fine dining Japanese. There are some of the, um, the restaurants where you go in and it's like the 20-course chef-designed oh, yes. menu. Mm-hmm. But then they're all, you know, the small eateries you know that are really great to go to and there's always something happening in Toronto whether it's a Leafs game a Raptors game you know an event in the park going on um, so Toronto is definitely a place to see as well
0: awesome I love that you said that because and we didn't put her up to it because we're based in <laughs> Canada so I'm in Ottawa and our boss uh, like the CEO he's in um, Cambridge which is just outside Toronto so we're always there for work oh my events god and yeah yeah <laughs> very that's funny. amazing that's <laughs> yeah. So
1: cool. yeah we totally paid her to yeah. plug uh Toronto so. oh that's so cool yeah living in Toronto was really neat uh, and it had been a long time since I had been in one place and winter was oh you nuts. came then yeah I, bad choice it was my <laughs> first winter so growing up in Florida it was insane but I lived right by the harbor front Okay. Beautiful. So every yeah. day, I was able to yeah look out onto the lake, and there were boats there, sailing yachts, smaller yachts, all of these. So I felt like I was at home. Yeah, with snow on the ground, just, with all of these
0: boats around. <laughs> just a few more layers on. That's all. <laughs> it's basically this right. Thing. Yeah, yeah. There was, um, and I'm going to totally get this wrong, but it was not long ago. It was like voted one of the most multicultural cities. In the world, I think, because there's just so many different... Oh, yeah. So when, yeah, so when you're saying like restaurants, you can literally eat any type of food, pretty much, and it will be at a nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, that's right. so funny. Um, and I just wanted to know, um, do you still do much in the theater side of things, or are you solely focused in the yachting now, or just out of curiosity, and don't don't feel like you need to answer it, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, so I am um, solely 100% into yachting. Um, kind of uh, still have the passion for theater, but no longer the desire to perform or pursue it professionally. However, my younger brother and older sister are very involved in theater arts. My younger brother, I'm very proud of him. He just graduated with a double major in history and vocal performance from oh, cool. Vanderbilt.
0: Okay. And
1: he will be moving to New York soon. And our older sister works as a dresser on Broadway. Oh, wow. So we still, Yeah, so we still very much have... Theater in the family. Uh, We always joked that the Academy Awards were our Super Bowl. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) we didn't grow up watching, you know, sporting events. We would dress up for the Academy Awards or the Grammys or the Emmys (laughs) and the Tonys. Yeah, and watch those. Okay, so so you're in New um, York now, are you?
0: Are you crashing with one of them right now or in New York?
1: Yeah, I'm in New York to see some family and might actually go out and see a show later today. Um, And I'm definitely going to eat at some interesting restaurants. I got to stop by Milk Bar yesterday, um, which was great. And yeah, and my sister's friend took me to this really cool Thai place. So definitely trying to get some good spots to eat while I'm here. Yeah, shouldn't have a shortage there, I would imagine. So Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's always something, always something interesting to find in here. Yeah,
0: well awesome, and I want to make sure people know where to find you. So if they want to go follow you on Instagram, like I did, do you want to let them know where they can find you online?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My Instagram is my name, Grace Dabornick. Uh, and I'm sure we can link that in the podcast. We definitely will and link it. My Awesome. And my website is gracedevornik.com. And on my website, I have my CV, I have a selection of food photos as a little bio about myself, um, everything that, that someone would need to know about me.
0: Cool. Well, I look forward <laughs> to following along on all your adventures and stuff. And hopefully everyone will give you a follow after this. So thanks. I can't, I honestly can't thank you enough. I know it's kind of busy for you right now. So thanks for taking the time, Grace.
1: <laughs> yeah, of course. It was absolutely wonderful to talk to you. And I was so excited to share my story on your podcast. Thanks.
0: Thanks for tuning in to See the World Differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.